All right, folks, here's reality. Reality is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I know that within you and within myself, there is a desire, maybe great, maybe small, but there's a desire in you to please the Lord by doing the things that he wants you to do. Please the Lord by doing the things that he wants you to do. Am I right in saying that? Isn't that where most of us are at? I mean, that's where, if you've known Jesus and you want to live for Jesus and you're trusting in Jesus, your thoughts are, yeah, I want to do what God would have me to do. Okay, yeah, now. But you live where you live. You live in our culture. You live in our world today. And while that desire is very real in your life, You've got other things that are going on in your life that are creating pressure. Did you understand what I'm saying? You've got other things in your life that are forcing you into making decisions that maybe in your heart you feel that those decisions aren't necessarily the things that God would want you to do, but the problem is you almost seem like you have no other choice but to do it. You know what I'm talking about a bit in those circumstances? I find myself in those circumstances all the time where you know God wants you to do something or God wants you to act a certain way or God wants you to respond a certain way, but you find yourself in some sort of predicament, and that's what it is, isn't it? It's a predicament. You find yourself in some sort of situation that is demanding that you do something else that you maybe know in your heart you shouldn't do, but you almost are left with the reality that you have no choice. Am I the only one who faces those kind of situations? I think we all do, right? We're constantly faced with pressure to compromise. Compromise what we believe. And we'll even make excuses for it. We'll say, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to do this, but you know what? God forgives Number one, isn't that what we say? God forgives. Here's the other one. Only in this instance, I know I shouldn't do this, but only in this instance, because I don't have any other choice. Isn't that what we say? I don't have any other choice. And so we give in. And, and let me just be honest with you. I have to be honest with myself. We give in a lot. Let's just be honest. It's not like a one-time thing. Oh, well, you know, 10 years ago I did. No, no. You, you gave in this week to something. The pressure was real this week. Maybe at work. Maybe in your home. Maybe something to do with bills. Maybe something to do with a health decision. Maybe something to do in a relationship. You gave in. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The pressure was real. You gave in. And it's not abnormal. It's just a normal part of our lives. Because you and I face these decisions all the time where the pressure is intense to go a different direction. And, and to be honest with you, then we wonder, you know what? I'm not sure why I don't see God working in my life. I'm not sure why I don't see his blessing. I'm not sure why it just seems weird. Could they be connected? Yeah, they're connected. And that's what we're going to see today.
Now, we're in this series called Weathering Life with us and the Sovereign God. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're learning about lessons of faith and the Sovereign God. We're, we're talking about weathering life, learning these faith lessons, and as we've been progressing along, we were introduced beginning of this series to a guy named Samuel. Now we're going to move with Samuel and another guy now by the name of King Saul. We're not going to look at how King Saul became a king, but we're going to look at some of his actions as king because I think there's some powerful lessons here. And the lesson we're going to look at is what happens when you go it alone. What happens when you go it alone? What do you mean go it alone? Well, when you decide that you've got to make that decision because of the pressure to do something that's totally different than what God wants you to do, you're going it alone, folks. Okay, so let me just stop for a moment. The moment you decide to do something God doesn't want you to do, you're on your own. Some of you need to realize that, because sometimes we have this thinking in our mind that he's with me when I do the thing he doesn't want me to do. No, no, he's letting you go do your own thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ever been in a situation like that? Where if you do that, you're on your own. It's the same thing here, folks. That's the reality. You're going it alone. So we're going to see that in the life of King Saul. So I want you to notice with me. Let's look at this passage together. We're going to look at 15 verses. Verses 1 through 15. Again, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 153. Look with me together. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash, in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan and Gabeah of Benjamin. And the rest of the people he sent home, everyone to his tent. Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together for a fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Even. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as far as Saul... He was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And when he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel, then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as it happened, 
Now, as it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together in Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now, down, will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. And the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Galbeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see several different things in this passage, okay? We're going to, number one, we're going to see the pressure to act. Saul's under some serious pressure. We're going to see that pressure. Then we're going to look at excuses. You guys understand what excuses are? Why did you do that? Well, if this hadn't happened, we understand excuses. We're good at making them, right? I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you're good at making excuses. Some of you are like, I'm not doing that. We are excuses. And then we're going to see the rebuke. The rebuke. Because I'll be honest with you folks, we need rebuked. Because the fact is, is we do give in, don't we? We do go it alone. All right, let's look at this together. Here's the first thing you're going to see on the pressure to act. Here's what's happening. Okay, they're in the land of Israel. They have an enemy. The enemy is called the Philistines. They have a king now, King Saul. Saul has to himself 3,000 choice men. With him himself, he has 2,000 choice men. And his son, Jonathan, his oldest son, Jonathan, has 1,000 with him. Jonathan attacks a garrison of the Philistines and probably wipes it out. Well, the problem is, is by doing that, you've just picked a fight. You ever picked a fight with a bully? Do you know what I'm saying? You ever picked a fight with a bully? And, and what happens when you pick a fight with a bully? You're almost expecting the bully to get angry and attack you, right? Well, that's what happens here. So Saul blows the horn and says, let the Hebrews hear. All right, everybody to me, we've got a fight coming on here. Well, guess what? The bully shows up, and the bully shows up, if you look there, with a pretty mean army, 30,000 chariots. Thousands of horsemen and people, he couldn't even count how many people, soldiers that showed up because it's like, what, sand on the beach. And guess what the Israelites do? Ah, they're scared. They're panicking. It says what? They're hiding in what? Caves? In thickets? In a hole in the ground? Pits? Hiding behind rocks? That's being scared, right? What's going on here? Well, here's the pressure. First thing I want you to see is the difficulty is overwhelming. The difficulty is overwhelming. They're in a situation now 
where they got to do something. The pressure is immense. They're going to, and in their situation, they're going to die. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? They're going to get wiped out. You and I face those kind of situations every day. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to die, but we may die figuratively with whatever we're facing. And the pressure is there to compromise. Because all of a sudden, something's happened. Some sort of major bill. Out of nowhere. Just happens. Some sort of health issue comes up. Some sort of crisis with a family member. That actually happens a lot more than you realize. That somebody else's problem becomes your what? Problem. And their problem becomes your problem and it's forcing you because now you've got not just pressure from within your own household, you've got pressure from family. And can family put on pressure, folks? You've got to do this. You've got to help me out. And you don't know what to do. The difficulty can be overwhelming and is overwhelming. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Attempts at a spiritual response seem to fail. Attempts at a spiritual response seem to fail. And this is usually why we decide to go it alone because at first you might be saying, okay, yeah, I've got this pressure going on here, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And so you do what God tells you to do and guess what you hear? Nothing. Guess what you see? Nothing. In fact, when you're praying, guess what you hear? Silence. And you're just doing what God told you to do. But guess what? The problem's still there. The enemy is still coming. He still wants your head on a platter, right? And you're doing what God told you to do. Here's what's going on here. You look at Saul. Saul had been told all the way back in chapter 10, one of the things that he was told when he became king is, is that Samuel told him that when you're in Gilgal, you will wait there for seven days until I show up. That's from the Lord. Wait seven days till I show up. So here's Saul. He's there in Gilgal. He's waiting. Clock is ticking. It's okay probably the first day. It's maybe even okay up to day six. Waiting for Samuel because God told you to do that. But here we are on the seventh day, and guess what? Wouldn't you be nervous? I would be. Like, when's he showing up? When's he going to show up? When's God going to show up? When's Samuel going to show up and do what he's supposed to do? And he's getting towards the end of the day. This is usually when we start panicking, right? Oh, i got all these things going on. And it's like the bank's getting ready to close, and I'm waiting on you, Lord. And guess what? The pressure is immense. The pressure is hard. You've got to do something. Why? Because doing the spiritual thing seems to what? Fail. Now, we don't like to admit that out loud, but that's true, isn't it? You and I face pressure all the time where we wonder, I don't know that if God's going to come through with me on this one. We've got to be honest about that. You've got to be honest in your heart that there are times when you wonder, is God going to come through? Is God going to come through? And by the way, when he does come through, what do we normally do? Oh, my. We're shocked. Why were we shocked? He 
he said he was going to do it, didn't he? But here we are. Attempts at spiritual response seem to fail. Here's the third thing I want you to see. There is a point that requires moving from patience to immediate action. See, that's what happens with each one of us, isn't it? There's a point that requires moving from patience. Well, I'm just going to be patient. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. To where, okay, now I've got to do something. I've tried it your way, Lord. Now I've got to do something. That's what's happening here in this passage. He's waiting. It's on the seventh day. Guess what? Samuel hasn't showed up. And now he Saul's got to jump into action. Bring me the offering. I'll have to do it myself. Bring me the offering. And guess what? He offers the burnt offering. You have I've been there. We've trusted the Lord to a certain point, but then at some point, patience leaves, and we've got to jump into what? Immediate action. We've got to do it. How many times do we do that? Over and over. Over and over. We've got to do it. We compromise and compromise. Hey, look, folks, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself. How many times do I do that? Well, you're a pastor. You should know better. Yeah, I am a pastor. I should know better, but I'm just like you. I'm just like you. And the pressure gets immense. And there comes a point where our patience runs out and we've got to jump into immediate action. Because if if we don't do something, we're doomed. Isn't that what we say? If we don't do something, we're dead. Not literally, but figuratively. If we don't do something, we're up a creek without a paddle. But isn't it interesting in this situation, as soon as he offered the burnt offering, guess who shows up? Guess who showed up? Samuel showed up. Now, he didn't show up on day eight. He showed up on what? Day seven. He still showed up when he said he would. And he says to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel says to Saul, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's when we start making what, folks? Excuses. And the excuses are just in one verse here. I want you to look with me, just one verse. Look with me at verse 11. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered, excuse number one, number two, that you did not come within the days appointed, and then number three, and that the Philistines had gathered together at Michmash. Number three. Here's the three excuses, okay? Listen to me. This is what we do. You and I, can, we can relate to Saul. Here's the three excuses we make when we go it alone. Number one, the actions of others force a response. Here's Saul. Saul the same. Samuel, I know I should have waited. I know I should have waited, but... But the people were, were reacting. The people were leaving. The people were. The people needed some kind of leadership. The people were not responding the way that they should, and it just was putting pressure on me. It was the people, the people, the people. We do that all the time, right? 
Why did you do that? Why didn't you wait on the Lord? Well, you don't know if my boss was breathing down my neck. He was telling me, I know you're a man of ethics and I know you're a man of moral values, but in this instance, the company needs you to do this. It was my mom. I wanted to do the right thing, but she called me up and said, you got to make a decision. Quit waiting this out. It was my mom or my dad or my girlfriend, my wife. You don't know what it's like. She's telling me all the time. You don't know what he's like. The pressure. Isn't that what we do? Always, first thing we do is, is what? Somebody else made me do it. My arms twisted. I mean, have you noticed we're all walking around like this with our arms like this because we've been having twisted by other people? pressuring us into these decisions? No. Number one excuse, the actions of others force a response. Here's number two. Number two. Number two excuse. Obedience did not produce results. Well, I did what God told me to do. Isn't that what he's saying here? I waited on you, Samuel, but you didn't show up. Yeah, I, Samuel didn't show up according to your timetable, Saul. But he still showed up when God said he would show up. And that's what we'll do. We're like, well, you know, I want to do what God wants me to do. And I tried that obedience thing. I tried doing it your way, God. But I didn't see any results. I didn't see anything happening there. And that's what we do. I, I can remember, it's not in this church. The first church I was in, we were, we were a church plant. And we had three and a half acres of land that we, when I got there, that they had purchased. And when I was there, the first year and a half, we paid off. It was amazing. They had $25,000 debt on this property. And we're just... 30 people, and God provided, I said, we got to get rid of this debt. So we provided the debt, and so then we decided we're going to raise the money to build a church building. And I told him, God just provided you guys with the money to take care of this debt. We're going to trust him to provide the other. Back then, you could build a church building for $100,000, okay? It's a million now. So you're talking 20 years ago, 20, almost 1995. So, I mean, you're talking 25 years ago, okay? So anyhow... And I'm telling them, we got to trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. Let's do this. Guess what they want to do? Go borrow lots of money. Why? Because if we wait on God, we're going to wait forever for the building. If we wait on God, I'll never see it. Those are things that I heard. Why? Because obedience doesn't produce the results. So we got to do matter, take matters into our own hands. Guess what, folks? That church doesn't exist anymore now. They never built that building. Isn't that amazing? But that's the excuses we make. God, you weren't going to come through if we did this your way. That's what we're saying when we go it alone. 
Now here's the third reason. Third, third excuse that he gives. Third reason why he decided to go it alone. Circumstances were becoming increasingly difficult. That's what he's saying here. And the Philistines were at Michmash. They're like right across the valley. I could see them. I could hear them clearing their throats. The pressure's... If we don't do something now, it's just going to get worse. Isn't that what we'd say? Isn't that the excuses we make? We were forced into this. We have to do this because it's going to get worse if we don't. And that's the decisions we make, right? That's the excuses we give for doing something other than what God wants us to do. Well, I want you to notice how Samuel responds to him. It's actually a couple of things here. This is where I want you to focus on because here's the thing. Sometimes I understand I do this, you do this. Okay, hear me? I do this, you do this. We give into the pressure. We know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to trust the Lord. We know that he's called us to do something else in the circumstances and the situations that we face. But we, we give in to the pressure. We got people pressuring us. We give in to the circumstance. We don't, we don't see God doing his work the way we think he should. And so we give in. But here's the problem. We don't think about the consequences. Ever notice that? Nobody sits around and ponders, well, if I do this, what are the consequences? But the problem is, is there's always consequences with every decision, right? Always consequences with every decision. Always. And so here comes Samuel, and he says to him, look, you need to understand that this wasn't a trivial thing, because that's what happens with us, isn't it? We think that just deciding to go at our own and not doing what the Lord wants us to do in a situation, that's just a trivial decision. It's just trivial. It's not trivial. Nothing's trivial with God when it comes to us. Nothing. You either follow him or you don't. So I want you to notice what he says here. First thing he says to him, look at this. Here's what I want you to see on the rebuke. Rejecting the path of obedience is foolish. Rejecting the path of obedience is foolish. He says to him, look, Saul, you've done foolishly. You've done foolishly. Folks, when I go it alone, I'm being foolish. I'm not being smart. Usually we think, boy, I'm glad I did that. I took care of that. No, no, you weren't smart. You were foolish. Quit patting yourself on the back. Quit asking others to pat you on the back. When you did something other than what God wanted you to do, you were being what, folks? Foolish. Foolish. Now, I know that's going to take a while to accept that because we don't like to think of ourselves as being what? Foolish. Especially the older you get. Oh, the young people, they're foolish. They don't, they haven't experienced life yet. I'm older. I'm wiser. Yeah, right. You're foolish. I'm foolish. How do, how do you know that? Because you go at your own. You disobey God. 
lot more readily than you realize. Here's the second thing I want you to see about the rebuke. Now, this is the one you've got to grasp, okay? So Samuel says, you know what? God would have established your kingdom. If you had been obedient to him, God would have established your kingdom, Saul, but he's not. He's going to take your kingdom away from you and give it to somebody else who has a heart to follow him. Because you didn't understand this one point. And here's the point I want you to see. This is the point when we go it alone that we forget. Here's, here it is. That God's plan transcends circumstances. God's plan transcends circumstances. What are you talking about, George? Here's what Samuel's saying to Saul. Saul... If you had been obedient, God would have established your kingdom forever. Think about that for a moment. Does he need to worry? If that's true, would he have had to worry about the Philistines? No. No. Because what are the Philistines going to do to him? God decided, I'm establishing your kingdom forever. See, this is where you need to understand. If God is, God's got a plan for you. I don't know if you realize that. You need to write that down. On a, somewhere on your bulletin, write that down. If you're still alive and breathing, God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He wants to accomplish something through your life. Now, here's what he does. He tells you how you're to live that life. And yes, you face circumstances, and I face circumstances. And yes, you face difficulties. And yes, you face the pressure to do other things that you feel you've got to compromise because you've got to face that issue. But I'm telling you right now that God's plan for you is bigger than that problem you're facing. Write that down. God's plan for you is bigger than that crisis. And he's going to use that crisis for whatever purpose in your life as part of his plan. You just got to do what he tells you to do. You know what? <clears throat> I got to listen to this. I'm just telling you. There, there are times when when George has to sit down in his office and take a moment, I'm not writing messages to you. I'm writing messages to me. Where, where I've got to say, you know what? Wow, y'all are blurry. Hold on. I've got to put my glasses back on, okay? Um, I'm getting old. Holy cow. I had 20-20 when I was young. Now I can't even. I've got to wear these things. Okay. Get back to my subject. Okay. The pressure is real. But we forget what God told us to do, what he called us to, what He's what he wants for us. We forget that. We always see it's the crisis, the problem. How am I going to deal with this? God, you're being mean to me. And, and the problem is, listen to me, the problem is his plan, no matter what the crisis is, transcends whatever's happening. You guys got to realize that, especially when you're watching the news. His plan is, is Jesus Christ is coming back one day. That's the ultimate plan. Everything else is just filler. Do you understand me? 
Everything else is just filler. Everything else in your life is just filler. God's got a plan and a purpose. And he uses the stuff that happens in your life for his plan and purpose. And when you do it on your own, you're basically saying, my crisis is bigger than your plan, God. The pressure is bigger than your plan. And we know, can I tell you, just saying that sounds ridiculous, right? But we need to say it. Just saying that sounds stupid. Because how big's your God? He's got something for you. He's got something for you. This is what's going on here. Saul lost sight of it. All he could see is thousands of screaming Philistines ready to come get him. And he forgot that God made him king over Israel. And that God is the one who protects Israel. You say, okay, George, what are we going to do with this? Well, here's what I want you to think about, okay? I've got two things I want you to, to digest this with so that you, this is for me and for you, so that we quit doing it on our own. So that we become the obedient people that we were supposed to be because God's got a plan for us. All right, let me just stop for a minute. Does everybody realize that? Everybody realize here that God's got a plan for you wherever you live, whether you live in Clearfield or in, in, in Pike Township or Penn Township or you live right here in, in, uh, in Kerwinsville or in other areas wherever you are. I know we got some folks from Frenchville and folks over near Dubois. Do you realize that God's got a plan for you wherever you are right now? Do you realize that? Grasp it. So here's what I want you to hear. Recognize the pressure that is forcing you to reject the Lord's will. Recognize it. Just recognize it. It takes different shapes and forms. It comes every week. It's relentless. It moves from one crisis to another, but the pressure is continually there for you to do something other than what God wants you to do. It happens in my life. It happens in your life. Let's recognize it, that there is a battle that's going on to get you to quit doing what God wants you to do. Do you understand that? I need to understand that. The pressure is real recognize it but most of us we don't recognize it we just kind of we're kind of like i remember when i was a kid you know before video games you go to a place they have what a pinball machine i used to like i never did was good at it but i like dad give me a quarter you play the pinball machine and you see the little silver ball bing 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 bouncing around from one thing to another we're like like those silver balls bouncing around with life boom 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 hoping that we don't go down into the chute and the game's over that's where we're at but you got to recognize there's pressure on you here's the second thing this is where you really need to grasp Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to remain steadfast in your obedience to God. But you don't understand, George, what he's telling me to do. I don't have the strength to do it. I understand. You never had the strength to do it because you weren't meant to do what God called you to do on your own. You were meant to do it with who? The help of the Holy Spirit. 
You were meant to do it with God's Spirit. So ask Him to help you. By the way, it's not shocking to him. He's not in the throne room of heaven saying, oh, oh, look at that crisis happening with George. How did we let that happen? Were we, were we distracted by the Middle East or something? I mean, how'd that happen? No, no, he already knew. It ain't but a thing to him. Why, why isn't he handling that on his own? He wasn't meant to handle it on his own. God, you know exactly what's going on in my life right now. You know the pressure. You know that I need you. I need you right now in this moment. Lord, I need you right now in the next moment. Lord, I need you throughout this next week. I need you to help me to do what I got to do. Because the pressure is real. The pressure is intense. The pressure is unbending. The pressure is on me to make the wrong decision. And I want to make the decision that you would have me to do, Lord. Can your Holy Spirit help me? Can your Holy Spirit give me strength? Can your Holy Spirit give me wisdom? Can your Holy Spirit help me to do what I need to do? That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Look, listen. I don't know when he's going to show up, but he always shows up on time. If Saul had just been a little bit more patient, just one hour more of patience, guess who would have showed up? Samuel. And the story would have been completely different. How would the stories be in our lives completely different if we would just do what God told us to do rather than give in to the pressure? Ask the Spirit to help you. Let's pray.